0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Fantabulous Friday Show, the pod that is free to one and all. I'm the new and nervous host, Steve Tudor, and as always, we'll be looking backwards, forwards and sideways at whatever takes our fancy. Joining me today is a poorly and very phlegmy Howard (laughs) Hawking. But before I don my nurse's costume and check his temperature, Howard has a few words to say about what else is available via 9320 right now. Over to you, Mr. Paulie.
1: Uh That intro's giving me nightmares. <laughs> Close my eyes tonight and see you in a nurse's outfit. <laughs> as always. Uh, yeah, just uh, I thought to start off. It's been a busy week considering City haven't actually played. Uh, just thought I'd go through what we've, we're have putting out this week or what we've already put out, and we've got a very busy day today as well. Uh, so on Monday we had the review podcast uh, of the Spurs match with me, Asan, and Sam Lee. Looking at what went wrong there, uh, there was a special add-on podcast on Tuesday. Uh, Jack Gun and Asan had a chat about Jack's piece about the locking in the dressing room after the Spurs match. Uh, we, of course, had our Wednesday debate show, our new show, which looked at City's treatment by the media. Uh, a show I very much enjoyed. Uh, so do check it out if you subs- It's got it's got a good reaction yeah. now, hasn't it? I'm really pleased. Yeah, it felt yeah. good doing it. Uh, I was a bit. Caught reticent beforehand,
0: if that's the right word, but yeah, fact, yeah, just because the subject matter has been so overly yeah. kind of explored, you think, yeah, but it's, I think we did it. Yeah, easy it. to go into the paranoia, uh,
1: path, yes, basically. Yeah, uh, obviously, this show today, and uh, Sam and ASAN are doing a, another bonus show, uh, which is looking at oh, the oh, Lionel Messi links, uh. He's coming. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're going to chat for a couple of minutes ourselves about that later. Uh, Let's just say I'm not holding my breath. The blog site, uh, today we've got two things. Dan Larson's piece is out. I've put that up today where he looks at the stats regarding Raheem Sterling and his dropping form. And as always, Mm -hmm. I'll give that some breathing space, that uh, article. But at some point later... Or tomorrow morning, I will do my weekly thoughts blog as well. So there is tons of stuff out on the, the podcast and the blog this week.
0: Okay, well, there's a load to get your teeth into there. Um, today is pretty much a free-for-all. Um, and I guess for a good jumping-off point would be the big news story these past few days which has been that the Premier League clubs have voted to change the summer transfer window to bring it back in line with the rest of Europe. The reason it was changed two years ago, so it closed prior to the season starting, was because clubs too often found themselves a player or two light with a season underway should they lose them late on, and they'd have no time to replace them. But with Europe not changing their deadline to align themselves to the Premier League's new deadline, it meant that foreign clubs couldn't make late bids for players, and Premier League clubs were missing out. So, is this wave a lesser of two evils for Premier League clubs? Howard, uh,
1: yeah, I think it had to be aligned. That was the problem, and yeah. getting, uh, as we know, for <laughs> getting European agreement on stuff is uh, very hard. <laughs> uh, that's where the politics ends. I, I think it would be better if it. Basically, all I think all 20 clubs have voted for this, so there you go. They didn't like it. I think it is better that it stops when the season starts, because it is a bit weird that the season starts and players are still moving about, and squads can actually change as the season progresses. Obviously, in the old days, this was commonplace, uh, but it does, the, the problem is, yeah, if if we don't have the same deadline, and I think it will now be September the f- five. It's five PM again. Uh, shame it's not the late yeah. el- eleven PM deadline. I used to love that. Well, I used yeah, to. Yeah. When it was actually interesting. Yeah, but I don't pay much attention now. On September the first, or it might be second, if the first is a Sunday, I think. Uh, it doesn't really work if if the other, you know, if the rest of Europe is not doing the same thing, because then you've got that that area, that time of two weeks where you can be plundered uh, the fact is for two years has that really happened though have we seen it being problematic to Premier League teams that once they can't buy other teams can buy their players I don't think it's actually turned out to be much of a nightmare so I don't think many Premier League teams have had you know players they didn't want to lose leave them and thus leave them short so it's not been that problematic the, I think it's more of an issue in in years with you know, of an even number, because uh, again you've got only four weeks from the end of the Euros this year, and and of yeah. course I think it's the uh, African Cup of Nations, which will go back to January soon, but it's in the summer this year, so you've only got a four week window there. There's as a, a lot of players that. Could be moving about will of course be playing you know international football not all of them obviously but a lot of them will be have other things on their mind and they won't all be playing right until the final but they'll, they'll have a busy summer then it makes it harder to do deals so i can see extending it on even numbers is fair enough but in an ideal world everyone would just stop when the season starts but of course and you've got the added problem that I don't think all the European leagues will start on the same day. So, well, exactly, it's, it's yeah. a mess. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I I think they have to align with the rest of the Europe. So, if they're doing it at the end of the month, it is the lesser of two evils for me. But ideally, when the season starts, you should know your squad, and that should be the squad you work with. Your thoughts? I pretty much bang on
0: very much kind of according to, um I thought it was pretty much according to yours uh, there. Yeah, it's the lesser of two evils. I mean, it's just a a situation where there is no ideal. There there are problems for for both ways of doing it. Um, And I don't think it should have been changed in the first place. Um, And it's never... I I think the people who do lose out were this way, having the kind of extended one, if you like, a couple of weeks into the season. Clubs you know, of of the ilk of, say, Watford or Brighton or whoever, you know, the yeah. kind of mid-table Premier League clubs, they can sometimes lose out substantially because their star player, I mean, let's just use an example of Crystal Palace and Zaha. Um, if that goes right to the wire and then he's sold and, you know, he wants to move to, say, Manchester United or Arsenal, then... Palace, okay, they get a windfall, but that's no help to them then because you know the window's shut, um, the season's two three weeks underway, and they've lost their main man. So you know it's it's anything but ideal. But for me personally, i i I also think that it's the lesser of two evils. Really, the the way that they did they've done it the last two years. Although I completely agree, it hasn't been as problematic as what people seem to be making out there are no real examples you can put forward and say, you know, that shows that this way doesn't work. Um, I think just going back to aligning it with Europe makes sense overall. um, And particularly, as you said, I think it's a fantastic point that in years with even numbers, it's a must, really. I mean, it'd just be a a shambles, wouldn't it, to just everyone come back. Because, of course, after a major tournament, players then go on a couple of weeks break anyway. Yeah. Um, and and you know you hear these kind of insights from people like, say, Michael Richards recently on Five Live when he nearly moved to Spurs and he went to Fiorentina instead. Um, it's so chaotic. Moving clubs is so, such a chaotic process. Moving house. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And and so to expect all that to, to happen in such a short time frame is unrealistic uh, and, and unworkable. So. Yeah, I'm kind of glad it's gone back to how it was, although how it was is anything but ideal. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously, if you're a footballer looking to move and you're playing at the Euros, you can still... You've got an agent, they can do the work, keep you up to date. It's not as if you're so focused on the football that nothing can happen until you get back from there. But it does mm. confuse the matter and make it more difficult because, obviously, location-wise, you are rather stuck where you are until the football is over, so... Yeah, I think it's probably yeah. better this way. that uh, Whenever you set that date, there'll still be a mad scramble, desperate, you know, desperate attempts at doing deals right at the end by a lot of clubs. So they'll, they'll never learn whenever you put it. So, but, I know, it baffles I mean, me. Yeah. It really. I, mean, I think it's about August the 8th or something the league starts this year. So it's like a good three weeks. But to be honest, there won't be many changes in those three weeks in many of the Premier League squads. So... Yeah, it's not as if it's not as no, if it's well. huge differences. Some some will say, well it's not fair that we played a team on August the eighth that are different in September. But that's just the randomness of football. You can play a the team could be fighting for to stay up at the end of the season and get three games against teams who've got nothing to play for, that you know, which helps them and it's just that's the random nature of football. So I think it, I think it is yeah. a better option at the moment, so I think with, with
0: something like the Euros as well, it gives a transfer kind of um, development room to breathe. Um, for example, you know, it's often said, isn't it, that a major tournament is, is like, you know, uh, uh, put yourself in a shop yeah. window. Um, and if you've got a player from, let's say, Czech Republic who has a storming tournament um, and, and suddenly, you know, kind of Watford or Palace are interested in him, then by the time the tournament finishes and, you know, it, it gives it a good, clear run where that club and that player can sort out the transfer um, so it, it gives everything time to breathe now where that falls down is as you say it doesn't matter when the transfer deadline is put in place there is always going to be a mad late scramble it just always is I don't know why yeah. it, it it never ceases to baffle me but because um, you see it sometimes don't you with certain Premier League clubs uh, and pretty much every one of them has done it at some point where on the final day they're like oh right we, we need to get this player we need to get him in and we need to get his kind of registration sorted oh no no that's fallen through okay what about this player we'll get him it's like hang hey, on a minute you're a, a multi-million pound business with some of the with a leading figures in every single field in your employment and you've let it get to this situation how is that possible and it happens
1: every year yeah I mean we'll just look at United go for Igarlo and they were yeah. scrubbing yeah I have thinking of yeah but Rashford was injured weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, you know, it's like
0: Exactly. And even Rashford aside, I mean that obviously exacerbated the situation. But they clearly, you know, were in the market for yeah. an attacker. So how did it get to that point? Um but you know, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that we don't know right. of. Uh and that's why we turn to people like Sam Lee when we we can move on to uh like no Messi shortly, <laughs> but before we do <laughs> before we do um, this weekend sees the first ever winter break of a sort in the league's history. Uh, there's going to be four games this weekend, six games next weekend. Has this been dealt with in a wishy-washy fashion, Howard? Would you have rather seen a straight, clean fortnight's fortnight break for all clubs concerned?
1: Uh, it's, it's both welcome and wishy-washy, I would say. Okay. So it's better than what it was. At least we've, we've made some progress, baby steps have been made, so to cut to the chase these winter breaks are important uh, I have no idea what the perfect time is in an English calendar I mean you in theory I mean it's for the players you know so to avoid injuries long term, but you also in a climate that can have bad weather in the winter, you want it to align with when they're most likely to have bad weather but that's Impossible to predict in England because we don't really
0: have any I mean, of us. So yeah. yeah, there's that too as well. But when we do, it always seems to be like March. In fact,
1: as we'll discuss briefly later, uh, this weekend is probably the time, so they've timed it quite well. So yeah. the timing, I don't know. It won't change the Christmas schedule because it's tradition, blah, blah, blah. But really, if you want to protect players, that's what they should have done. Take yeah. a game out of the Christmas schedule. Uh, that's where the injuries pile up, and having a, a break a month later will not change that whatsoever. It should be longer, but obviously the schedules of top teams, or even mid table teams, or even relegation fighting teams, just does not allow it. Uh, One off sh- shoot of this is, of course, the next round of the FA Cup. Would be midweek now, so that's another consequence of that. Some will be happy with that, some will not be happy that we don't have the FA Cup at the weekend anymore, or for this round anyway. Uh, I think will City get thirteen days off? It's it's better than nothing. It should be more, but that was probably never going to happen in, with the schedules that English teams have until they reduce the calendar. So obviously, there's likes well, of Klopp and Spurs and Southampton will get less because of replays but they knew that at the start of the season. it's They're not allowed to play games, organized games, so it is good news that it's done this way. The fact that they've staggered it, I quite like in a way, but the downside, of course, is television. So over yeah, yeah. two weekends, there will not be a single 3 o'clock Saturday game. All 10 games will be on the TV. So this winter break has been used again by TV companies to uh, for their benefit. I don't know if it was agreed to or they could just do what they want, but it's a shame that... I mean, someone will be happy with that every single game on TV over the two weeks, but it seems a bit stupid to me that there's not a single 3 o'clock Saturday game, which I still argue is when most people want to watch a football match. So for those going to matches, mm. it's a shame that the, you know, the timings will be all over the place, and it's... This break finishes, I think, with United playing Chelsea on a Monday night. So all they've done is spread some games out. But on the whole, it's it's better than not having a break for me.
0: Yeah, we're still a long, long way from, let's say, Germany. I mean, they've got 28 days break this winter. Normally, I think it's about 21, 22. Um, But yeah, I I think the key issue for me is... Christmas is is a festive period, um. You know, even people like Wenger have said in the past that you know the Brits are just not willing to sacrifice that. It's so ingrained in our kind of tradition. So my thinking there is, if that's the case, um, you know, if you can't kind of change around the festive period, then stop messing around with it further still. As we was evident this year, um, I think it's perfectly possible to have kind of three games. Over a course of you know say ten days, yeah. and for it not to have a significant impact on the players. Where it does have an impact on the players is when Sky and BT get involved and, and think, oh, I tell you what, it'll be a, a, a you know a great idea over New Year. Let's have let's let's screen every single game, and we'll just have them throughout the day, and we'll have this one at this time, and this one on a Tuesday night, and this one on a Friday night, and then suddenly before you know it, it, it it's just. Shambolic and chaotic and and players are suffering as a consequence um so that certainly necessitates for break as we've had but as you say it's not been a true break at all it's just basically been a spreading out of games all televised I mean you could argue that the television companies invest a huge amount of money um, and that gives them some kind of right to kind of um expect or demand regular content um, and that's what you get yeah. really when you sell your soul to the devil isn't it it's you know it's, there are going to be kind of consequences of that um, but it's it's depressing nonetheless for me I, I just would like to see a couple of weeks break in the middle of the season um, for players to recharge and you know to see their photos on Instagram <laughs> yeah. of them in Dubai <laughs> uh, but when you see that though I mean I've seen some of the Villa players out in Dubai and, and you think you know the amount of games they've played to this point and the amount of games that they have to play and the games that they have to play really matter every single one of them mm. you know, they're in a relegation dogfight it It just stands to reason to just have like you know a week just in the sun and just recharge your batteries i mean these are human beings, so um yeah I'm with you it' I'm, I'm glad it's happened. It's just really frustrating that it hasn't happened in a pro- proper fashion. And it has been wishy-washy, and again,
1: it's been at the behest of the television companies who... Yeah, the probably too late in the season, because, I mean, just look at England, we've had a history of players picking up injuries, that and then it's a race to be fit for major tournaments, and we're already at that stage, so we've got Kane, Rashford, and now Raheem Sterling's injured. Now, we can't prove that that's down to schedules, yeah. but... I could pretty much be certain there were a lot of injuries over Christmas for a lot of players at a lot of clubs, and whilst this is a step forward, um, the timing is probably just too late for me.
0: I agree, and when you look at the uh, you know the German kind of uh, winter break, twenty eight days—that's significantly, you know, that's, yeah. that's a huge. Break I mean, France I is a lot less, but um, they do it over Christmas, and you, so the
1: timing's better. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, same with Italy. Yeah, and and so you, know, you look at uh, in Germany and you look at their success rate in major tournaments. Um, you know, it's it's not coincidence, is it, that the fact that they win so many tournaments, Germany, they do so because they've got their best players not only available but you know relatively fresh at that stage as well. So you know, it does have an impact upon the international scene too. So moving on from that, um, I'm talking about the international scene. Oh, um, Lionel Messi. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's overrated, and he's um, yeah. I mean, if we get, yeah. If we get him, I'm not bothered. I'm, what really will messy, he? But, will he? Yeah,
1: Phil Foden's progress though. <laughs>
0: Right, my question to you, well firstly let's try and separate as best we can because we're we're relatively in the dark in, you know, kind of cards on the table. it is people like Stanley who are far more knowledgeable about this subject than I and you know that is gonna be a pod that's gonna be well worth tuning into later with ASAN. Uh, in the meantime we're gonna have to deal with us two kind of I'll amateurs you. <laughs> who will <laughs> who will basically try and separate facts from fantasia as best we can. Um in fact, let's not do that. Let's just let's just settle in Fantasia. How great would it be? What would you be willing to sacrifice in order for Lionel Messi to play alongside Kevin De Bruyne and his best uh, mucker Probably body two part? limbs, <laughs> uh, a kidney. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't, really
1: vocal, don't need both. Do you need a I, kidney. I? Yeah. Uh, a liver. I watch it. Well, livers regenerate oh. themselves, so you can have. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can, oh, you can do they? half, they don't regenerate exactly what was there before, but they regenerate right. to a functioning level. So you can have a bit of my liver, a kidney, one lung, obviously, uh, and just, well, my right yeah. hand has no purpose whatsoever. So, or my right, well, my right foot is for standing on. So, yeah, that'll do. I, I don't think yeah. this is how transfer deals go through, but just sending loads of body parts Barcelona's way is not really going to <laughs> uh, persuade him. I, I, yeah, I suspect the police would get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Legal ramifications to this. I should point in my weekly thoughts, my very last line is, Lionel Messi is not coming to City, get over it.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I, I can't yeah, see it happening in a million years.
1: Obviously, I, people go out of wait. it'll cost a lot of money. Even at his age, turns thirty three, I think later this season, he will obviously make whatever it costs. He'll make it back. And I don't want to sound like you. His shirt sales within two days, but obviously marketing wise for the club, finance financially that's not an issue. Yeah, it would be astonishing because yeah, he's still got it in him. Of course, he's not. I don't want to see him at 36, 37, which is probably more likely. You know, if he's still playing it, we get him right, right at the end. But to get him this summer, which I think we both yeah. agree is really—it's not really going to happen. Uh, would be oh, just astonishing just to see him in the city shirt would be astonishing. He is the yeah, greatest player of all the thing. time. I mean, in, someone sent me a In photo. my opinion, so yeah, you know, I think um, he is yeah. the greatest player. To see him like that, yeah, you know, we've had we've had players past the prime come to city when we weren't this big. You know, like George Weyer or Steve McManaman. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, i trying to do it with a straight face. <laughs> uh, yeah, Robbie Fowler's payday. Uh, but obviously, obviously, he's still just not showing. He has been a bit in different form, but that is a club that's going through lots of problems, as we've seen, you know, if you follow them at the moment. Uh, mm. They're having their issues. They've changed manager, of course. The board thing with Abidal. We don't know what's... With many of these things, it's often, you know, don't be surprised if a new contract is signed or something like that. He's obviously not very happy being blamed for... Or the players being blamed for, you know, Valverde going. Having said that, he's so ingrained at Barcelona that we, I can't get inside his head. I don't know what he's thinking. I'd be very surprised if he ever played for another club. Unless it was, you know, like... Aguero or Tevez that they go back to their home country to play, but to go to another big club in Europe, I yeah. find it very, very, very unlikely for him to sever that tie, unless he just he felt it so. It just felt he could not stay there any longer, but I just don't see we're anywhere near that stage at the moment. It's, it's I don't think it's happening. Uh, but we should say that Sam obviously knows a lot more than this, and him and ASAN. We'll be releasing a pod. They're recording it right now as we do this one. who will give a lot more insight into this. Uh, so listen out for that as well, for subscribers anyway. Well, uh, alas, I agree. I can't really see
0: it coming off. If, if it did come off, um, you know, someone sent me a photo um last night of, you know, like a mock-up of Massey in a sick shirt. Um Oh, God, just imagine it. It would be incredible. It it really would. He is the greatest player of all time. His stats, and I'm not really one who, who, you know, places too much emphasis on stats, particularly when you're talking about a player like Lionel Messi, because, you know, the end product is one thing, um, you know, and and they accrue just absolutely astonishing statistics, but it's just the sheer pleasure of watching him play. The ease in which he goes past players um, you know, his imagination is kind of—it's—it's it's just beautiful to watch, um, and to see that in a city uh, wow, would be. I mean, we've been spoiled rotten, haven't we, the past kind of ten years? But um, that—it's—it's it's an understatement to say that really would be the cherry on top of the cake. But yeah, I can't see it happening. But we certainly could have done with the atomic flea last Sunday at Tottenham's vast and impressive new gaff. There's not a lot to be gained five days later by trawling through the ashes of that defeat. But what the game really highlighted yet again was that City's wastefulness in front of goal is proving to be so, so costly, which kind of, you know, is another reason we really could do with Lionel Messi. Um, how much is that wastefulness in front of goal a problem? Um, how, and here's the big one, and I'm sorry to chuck this your way. How Is he really called the Atomic Flea? Years ago, no ah, one does anymore. Yeah, I'm bringing it go. back. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it comes to City, I want a better put, that, I mean. Just, uh, Just a, a weird bit of trivia, but my nickname until I was about ah, okay. 12, 13 was Flea. My, my family called me Flea, so I, I feel some kind of connection no, there with Lionel. Me and Lena yeah. are kind of uh, yeah, yeah, both yeah, fleas. Back to
1: city, though, it's. It, I mean the two. If you look at two games of United and Spurs and say like we didn't score over those two games, it's just staggering. Uh, yeah, people yeah. don't like XG, but you, you know, just you can call it another name. Is creating chances if you if you don't like stats. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know. exactly, exactly. Yes, I I hate XG, and yet. By just seeing it as creating chances, I'm I like absolutely fine that, with it. You know, it's the same thing.
1: Graph form or visual forms, because I just like visual stuff. So uh, We're just creating more mm. chances than ever before, basically. So there's your answer, in a yeah. way. It's not. We've scored more than... I still think we've scored more than anyone. So, yeah, look at the base stats. We're scoring goals for fun, generally. Yeah, when people say it's the defence that's been the problem and it has been problematic, of course. It's a very short-term thing, I think. It's just suddenly come to the fore that the profligacy and everyone, every team misses chances. But our chance conversion rate is just lower than it's been in previous years. But it's not hugely down. It's just the last two games have just... I mean, I, I just... I just tweeted during the Spurs game. I effing give up because I'd never. I don't think I'd ever seen anything like it. It was just like this is just ridiculous. We're playing brilliantly and we're also playing terribly, and it's and I just cannot believe some of the chances we're missing. It's we create chances. Uh, yeah, we've we've looked into. We're going to talk about Pep's tactical tweeting in it, tweaking. Sorry, and it it feeds into this that what he's done is still put out teams that dominate in matches, dominate possession, creating chances. If we just had an, an average to good conversion rate, yeah, you know, this would be in a very different position, perhaps in the league, still second. But it is an issue right now because some of the, some of the chances that have been missed are just hard to, to believe, to be honest. Well, yeah. And at the other end... You know, it's kind of,
0: we see the opposite, don't we? We see the conceding of very few chances, but the kind of, um, yeah, you know, the lethalness of the opposition is just really kind of...
1: I mean, even costumous. Spurs, even Spurs um, gave Southampton, and there, again, they had three shots on target and scored three goals. And we've had, against Spurs, yeah. 50 shots this season and scored two goals. <laughs> Uh, now a shot doesn't tell yeah. everything. It could be just ballooned over the bar from twenty-five yards. But even in that home league game, we were we had thirty shots. we was so dominant. How on earth we didn't win that game? And perhaps VAR <laughs> is the answer to that. Uh, it's just astonishing, and it, it's a real it. It staggers me. These are players that in training that of course would just put it into the back of the net time after time after time. And the psychological issues here. And goals change games. That's the point. You know, look at the penalties missed four out of six. You get one of those penalties, and the whole mentality and confidence of the side changes. But you miss one, and you see against yeah. Spurs, we went off the boil for quite a while after the penalty miss, and it spreads around the team, and the doubt creeps in, and the psychological side of it. Uh Yeah, it is. It's worrying at the moment. But as I said it's only affected us in the league and we probably wouldn't have won the league anyway even if we'd been more... Yeah. If we'd been more... Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that. it would still be second. You know, it's a pace that's almost impossible to keep up with with Liverpool. So, if it's a problem and it was surely a short-term one, a blip, this is probably the best time for it to happen.
0: Yeah, because it has to be said, you know, even last season, City wasted an abundance of chances because... You know, were that good that we create so many, um, but that was less of an issue because you know and significantly and we more were going in. Um, well, there's that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so yeah. many of those games which we won by a single goal, and, and the game management was absolutely magnificent in those last 14 games of the season. Um, but you know, there's no need to to employ such game management this time because. Well, that actually brings me on to a question I was going to ask towards the end. I think I should ask it now because um, it ties in with that. The fact that the title is gone and top four is, you know, yeah. it's pretty much a formality. Let's face it; it'd be astonishing if City don't finish in the top four. Is that making City games this season less interesting to you as a blue? We've been spoilt in recent years not only with amazing football, but because every game really mattered and that ceases to be the case at present, is that having an impact on you watching the game? I say this because losing to Spurs hurt less than many, you know, pretty much any other defeat I can recall, frankly, in in recent times, because you think, well, okay, uh, the defeat hurt.
1: Dropping three points didn't so much hurt. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Is that the case with you as well? Because the more a game means, the more that if you win it, Yeah, you'll feel the elation of that game. But counter to that, I think of the Sheffield United game when I was when that full time whistle went, I was absolutely buzzing. You know, it was like what a hard fought victory. That felt like real. Like it felt like a a running game from last season, but it didn't really matter that much. But that was you know, I was really, really ecstatic after that game. But yeah, the the plus side is I can relax and watch football a bit more rather than have to just the constant, constant stress that seems to have been there, uh, well, all through last season. Uh, and I wasn't even relaxed the season before when we were about 10 points clear. It's like, I think we were won away to Stoke on a midweek game or something, on a cold night in Stoke. And that was only then, when we were about 15 yeah. points clear, did I relax uh, and think we'd won the league. So there is a plus side to it that I can actually just watch the football knowing that it's not the be-all and end-all. But of course, there isn't that feeling that it means, it does mean less uh, to use our our own hashtag for this because as you say, the teams in 5th, 6th, 7th or even Chelsea in 4th, they're not in great form. They can't put a run together of 10 wins on a row or even 5 or 6. So you're right, we want to finish 2nd but if we finish 3rd, it do not really make much difference in the scheme of things, a bit less... Money uh, for position-wise, but it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, it's kind of going through the motions in a way, and it's that probably makes it harder for the players as well, because the intensity for them is probably harder to to get that intensity when you know there's not a league title on the on the line. And I think about the Real Madrid game that people say it's good we play Real Madrid because we need the hard games to be used to playing hard games in the knockout stage. But the thing is, we may approach that game again, having eased through the league campaign before it. So it will still be a challenge to get the focus back for that game. No, it should be. I easy don't know. I, I don't Madrid, necessarily so. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: you know the build up to that, the fact that you know not a huge amount kind of rests on these league games. That could possibly be seen as a positive. It does kind of ease them in. And of course, you know if a player can't be motivated 100% up for playing against Real Madrid in the Champions League, they shouldn't be at City in the first place. So um, I don't think that's much of an issue. Um, yeah, I, I go along with pretty much all you say there. To be honest, I, I, I think it's just how things are. It's how how the seasons panned out and the situation that we're in. Um, I think the Blues have adapted to it pretty well. Uh, in fact, I, I would say overall as well. When you, when you look at where City are, I mean, we spoke um, on Wednesday, didn't we, um, posited the, you know, the suggestion that City aren't getting as much criticism as maybe other clubs would, because of how great they've been in uh, the past two years. But, you know, they've still had an enormous drop off in results and performances. Um, and I think, the way the fans have responded to that i think is to our enormous credit of course there's been criticism and there's been frustration and then negativity of course you're going to get that it's unavoidable but in terms of the level of that i think on social media and on forums and and just yeah. you know in, in real life uh i think pr- City fans have been pretty measured about it all and kind of accepted it to an extent and saw that that there has just been a drop-off because you can't expect these players to sustain that extraordinary level (laughs) over three years and really what it comes down to is what you said as well Howard that it wouldn't have made that big a difference if we'd have converted all these chances and if we'd have been up for every single game you know, fit and firing at 100% we still would be significantly behind Liverpool so Um, overall I'm going into games now kind of enjoying it just as much but in a different way Um, uh, and slightly more detached I'd say you know I remember last season those 14 games early on as well you know let's say the kind of the third or fourth of those 14 games having palpitations in the 10th minute you know like early on and being going through the absolute ringer and I actually remember thinking I can't do this this is too much. There's another yeah, 10 yeah. games to go. There's another kind of, you know, two months to go. I'm, I'm going to kill myself here. This is going to, yeah, I'm going to do myself serious, uh, like, damage here. Um, because it was really wrought and it was really emotional. So, in that regard, it's kind of nice to just sit back and watch the blues and enjoying. But obviously, yeah. given the I choice, mean, I would It's have just it not easy way. to regain the um, Eden
1: and sit in. I try to do it for the second time. Yeah, you because know, before the last two, it was Chelsea. Yeah then Leicester, then Chelsea, then City, United City, United Chelsea, United... So, you know, it was a decade when United did it 10 years previous before anyone <laughs> regained the title. So, yeah, you know, I started that running. if we get through the running and win the title last year, uh, next season's a free hit. So I, I can't go back on... You know, after getting yeah. through that, yeah. uh, I can't go to town on the side this year because after after regaining the Premier League title, that's more than I ever <laughs> hoped, so...
0: Well, it was it was notable to me that my thinking over the summer was less. Oh my god, I really hope City win the league this year. It changed slightly to, oh my god, I really hope City stop yeah. Liverpool from winning the league this year. And you know that's not down to any bitterness on my part, although you know probably that's partly the case. But it was more the fact that in the first two years they were complete, they were perfect, they were just. Something that we're never going to see again, um, and so you kind of then thinking, I don't know, it it wouldn't have meant any less to win a third title in a row. Of course it wouldn't. It would have been an incredible achievement, uh, and all the football that would have come with it in order to win the league would have been incredible to watch. But yeah, I, I did shift towards stopping an opposition winning rather than achieving it in yeah. your own right, which yeah. you know kind of struck a chord with me. Um, okay, well. We will return to City in due course. Um, now it's time for a fixture in focus. And this week, we have got Everton against Crystal Palace on the board. Are the Toffees looking better under Ancelotti? Um, he's been there now at Goodison for eight games. They've lost only once, and that was away at City. Um, notably, too, they haven't lost by more than a single... Uh, well, every game, I think, has been just one goal in it. Win, draw, or lose, so he's he's tightened things up there certainly, and he's you know better organized with the team. Um, I've been oh, yeah, in better I shape it.
1: now He's uh, done it on the slide for me, anyway. Uh, I felt yeah a couple of weeks in just watching the football, nothing's really changed, but it really has, and I think since he's arrived, they are second in the form table behind Liverpool. So that says it all, really. Mm. Uh, he's always going to bring some tactical now you know, experience. I think he's freed the team up a bit. He's giving youth a bit of, you know, uh, Gareth Lewis playing well. He's got Holgate in the side, and a bit, a bit less of the long ball, but using plenty of the technicians that they do have with him what is a good squad still. Uh, so undoubtedly, he's, yeah, he's doing a great job, and he's he's just done it quietly, quietly. Uh, that you know, as an Everton fan, you're just going to be happy that he's there. That you've got someone like Ancelotti at your your team. The only issue with him oh, is yeah. he doesn't tend to hang around that much. And you just, as an Everton fan, you'll hope that he enjoys his time now and is there for many years. Because now they have you know someone in charge that could try and move on properly rather than take the false steps that they've taken in previous years. Uh, but yeah, they just play with a bit more freedom, using the strengths, uh, and definitely a huge, huge improvement uh, on what went before, which was so stale. And so yeah, to be honest, it was a move. It was a, a move that needed to be made.
0: Oh god, absolutely. I mean, I was surprised it took so long. Frankly, um, I when Ancelotti was first rumoured, I wrote an article. Kind of wholly buying into this trope that was, you know, really kind of prevalent around every, you know, social media at the time, which was Ancelotti is not the ideal man for Everton yeah. because he's not a rebuilder. Um, You know, he tends to go to clubs where, you know, I look b- back into it and the closest you could say to a rebuild occurred at Parma. Well, at Parma, they had, you know, just an array of astonishing footballers at the time and they just happened to have fallen from second place. To I think it was seventh place, uh, and that's when he came in. So really, it's it's hardly restorative. It's just a case of just you know, tidying up, really, isn't it? So you think, okay, he's not this great rebuilder. Everton need a great rebuilder. How wrong was I? I was so misguided, really. I mean, he's one of the world's great coaches. Um, He's got you know a proven track record that is better than all but a handful of, of individuals in the world, and as you say, he doesn't tend to stick around, but he's going to leave Everton in an infinitely better shape than they were in under Silver. And so the guy who follows him two years down the line is going to have a balanced squad. He's going to have players who, you know, are performing well and know their role. And he won't have a great deal to do aside from maybe, you know, upgrade a left back and, you know, going to bring in in a midfielder. It's, it's not going to be a rebuild that I envisage, basically. I, I think there is another way of doing it, which is to just kind of, yeah. as I said earlier, just type all up, out up, just get things in order. And that's, yeah. And he certainly seems to have done that so far. And, and I can't see that changing either, frankly. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. Um, I'm, I'm pleased for Evertonians. and I know a lot of Blue Noses. And um, what it comes down to, because I've heard this so many times, and I heard it last week, and I thought, God, he's been there a couple of months now. But um, they said every time I look at the touchline, you see Carlo Ancelotti <laughs> in the Everton yeah. dugout. I can't believe it. Just you know, they, they, they cannot believe that they've got a man of at their club. It, it's giving them a boost. So you can only imagine. Yeah, once but, they, you know, it's
1: just shows a well. bit of tactical mouse during games. He's off the keysy used three at the back and changed to four at the back, even during games as well. Uh, so just you know, a bit of. Reaction during games, rather than you know, the managers that just sit there and don't know what to do, uh, don't know how to change things. I would still find it under cautious optimism. I mean, just look at that that crazy end to, at home to Newcastle. He's uh, you know, it's not, it's not winning every game. There's still t- too many draws there. Uh, they had the best chance ever to beat Liverpool, I think, in the Cup, and they messed it up. And yeah, and that was that would have smarted big time as an Everton fan. You know, they were just they were just poor, so passive, and they've just got that. Well, that smarted Ancelotti so I
0: had to inject, but you, you could see, couldn't you? That that was he yeah. was absolutely furious at that. He was disgusted at that, and and so again, if I was Nevertonian watching that game, I would have been so abject. Just it would have felt, you know. It, it's horrible to lose to yeah. Liverpool kids in such a fashion, but then if you see one of the world's greatest coaches who's just come in and hasn't had that much time to that yeah, point course, to yeah. you know, make a real impact, to, to to have a face like thunder that he did, that would have been yeah, at least yeah. so encouraging. You can't the expect
1: night. him to just turn the whole club around in there two months. I think you know, just give him a run at it yeah. next season and see where you know it takes them.
0: Well, if things are looking brighter for Everton, um, the opposite applies for Crystal Palace. Uh, the Eagles were high flying before Christmas, um, and now they've had That's... their wings clipped. Um, <laughs> and I've just, I just made that up. sort of written down. I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they haven't. They've won once, I think, since the start of December. Now, what strikes me about Palace is they were an anomaly before Christmas. Nothing about them really made sense. They created fewest chances of any Premier League team, far fewer than even, say, Norwich, who were rock bottom, and yet they inhabited the top 10. Um, And it kind of goes back to what we were saying about what's been inflicted upon City in the past couple of years, where teams will get one or two chances and and are so kind of lethal and kind of um, clinical. They seem to be doing that to every team and creating very few chances but scoring from them. Which, again, doesn't make sense because when you look at their kind of striking options, I mean, A, a he was a, a, a very good player, but beyond him, they've, they've got no one. I know they've got Zaha down the left, but Benteki, they brought in Tucson um, in January, kind of Wickham. These, these are not strikers that inspire. Has now reality set in at Palace, um, I'm tipping them as, as a real contender to go down, giving their form and given the fact that they didn't bring anyone in apart from Tucson in the um, January window they desperately needed a midfielder they needed defensive reinforcements Hodgson did,
1: you know, didn't get them um, yeah it is, is yeah. now reality set i was made to look foolish again in the pre-season predictions they were one of my relegation tips started to look as yeah. useless a prediction as always in <laughs> September, October uh, now there's one, one in ten, <laughs> and it's yeah, it don't surprise me. I, I, the reason I ticked them originally was that not only the January window, they hadn't really done much in the summer window. Uh, they kept Zaha, which was a big plus, but just standing still wasn't really enough. They needed a lot more, and it's such a stale mm, side. Yeah. I mean, when we they played us again, yeah, you can't really judge opposition size, you know, according to some of our results this season. They were superbly organised. So you could see how well, how far it got them that didn't score many goals, but they didn't concede many either. And that, as long as the defence stays strong, mm. they have a chance. They don't need to score that many. But well, they've been anomalies for quite a while, I think. They had an amazing away form last year. So when, they, of course, they beat us <laughs> uh, at the Etihad. And, yeah, with Townsend yeah, yeah. Are, and Zahar and just a strange side that were picking up, you know, Getting big results against big teams as well, and I just didn't feel it was going to last this season. The, the, I think for me they just stay out. They're an old side. I think like twenty nine is like the average age. There's just no vigor, intensity there. Reliant on Zaha so much. Uh, I think Townsend's injured at the moment, but obviously he's not on a level to save them. Yeah, they've put Ayu. Wide, which is probably not his best position. Obviously, and we allowed to score against us, but that's a desperation move in a way. There's not, there's not goals in that side. Even yeah, you know, the manager. Don't want to be ageist, but you know he's the oldest manager I think in the country now, uh, which doesn't mean anything. He can still be full of life and full of intensity on the training pitch, but it's a stale side that hasn't been refreshed for a while now. we not in the right areas anyway. And I just think they are in a in a troublesome position right now. And I'd certainly tip Everton to win this game. Well,
0: I would as well that you know, I know they did well at at ours, but you know, that side their away form has not been great since kind of going back to November. Um and they say it's an old team and you're right, and but it's you know it is also a very old manager and Hodgson uh, his contract runs out this summer. He's in negotiations to have a one-year extension. Um, that A lot of that is dependent on what promises he's given regarding transfers. So he knows that this is a team desperately in need of kind of an overhaul. Um, will he get those kind of assurances? I don't know. I, I, it doesn't seem to be a club that you know you would think if he do go out and kind of bring in two or three big names over the summer, that will be reliant on losing Zaha. Yeah. Um, would Hodgson be okay with that? And then, of course, you do have to look at the next few months to come
1: and what Roy Hodgson will endure. I mean, he's, he's, I don't know. Yeah, he's three, in 73, isn't he? Uh, him, and War, him and Warnock were the oldest he's managers. In the 70s. I think I put this in one of our ninety-three twenty quizzes. Him and Warnock were the oldest managers in the country. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Warnock's gone now, so uh, so he's out there on his own. It's definitely in his 70s here. Nice. Uh, yeah.
0: Is seventy two, seventy two. But in August, it'll be seventy three. So, if he under undergoes a very testing, you know, relegation dogfight at last three months, will Roy Hodgson, re- yeah. just, you know, want more of that? Even with all his vast experience, so I can see him not being there next season. Um, whether they go go down or stay up, um, yeah, I think things that need to change at Palace. It's. You hit a nail on the head by using the word stale. It, things have just got stale there, and things have allowed to become stale there, which is kind of unforgivable, really. That's that's on the board. Um, and I can't see him getting anything at Everton. Um, although, having said that, in a way, games they can be well organised. They can cause teams problems. They can be hard to break down. Everton have not got, you know, exactly, as we said earlier. Every single one of their games since Anshoty's come in has been by a single goal. So, if I was a betting man, and I am, I'm going to go for a yeah. tight Everton win. I mean,
1: you say about what uh, three mm, two nil? I would go for, but I I would put what you said. It's like not not backing the manager in the transfer window. Either they've got no, there's no money there, or they know he's going in the summer and just saving their funds for a new manager. That's very da- very dangerous if they end up going yeah. down. So.
0: Was, there's no kind of reason for them not to have money there, though. That's what baffles me. They're not yeah. in any financial peril. They're in the Premier League. They've been in the Premier League now for a number of years. They would have created a vast amount of money. They've got a decent training ground. They're, they're on their ground. It, everything, you know, you think, well, okay, you know, like, oh, you, you can't expect clubs like Crystal Palace and Burnley and, and Norwich or Southampton to just go out and, and spend £35 yeah. million pounds every time on a player, but... There are players knocking around who would significantly have improved Crystal Palace's yeah. squad, you know, in the next six months. Um, and they did have targets, I know. And they did go after, um, I can't recall who it was now, it was a, a left back. Uh, and that fell through at the last minute. Um, but yeah, it, it's just badly organised, isn't it, really? it's Clearly, this is a squad in need of, of an upgrade um, with two or three names. And, you know, why wait till the summer? Clearly, that's their intention, and that is, of course, if they do give Hodgson the reassurances that he needs, then yeah. they will and be going Nick, out to think Duncan
1: himself. Alexander gave this uh, stat. You know, we talk about the importance of penalties. They had eleven last year, ten the year before, or the other way round, uh, and they've had three this season. Yeah. And they've been, yeah, they rely on points from set pieces and penalties. Well, uh, at, at least they do have a decent penalty. Well, I should think. say as well. So. Yeah, yeah, well, we're
0: doing uh, highly, Mitch. Yeah, and, and, and I should say that uh, Duncan Alexander is a great yeah. one to follow on Twitter. He's really good for stats and he, he comes at things from a kind of quirky angle. Yeah, and he's a good follow. Um, okay, well, let's move back to City's game, um, into West Ham and kind of return to what we, we touched on earlier, uh, or what, what you mentioned about the constant tactical tweaking going on by, by Pep um, has this always been the case is this just now becoming more of a discussion because of the situation we're in um, is this now an issue where really it's, it's not an issue
1: it's just that the consequences are leading to you know unexpected it, results for me it's a personal thing but it's problematic for me but it's just a personal view I've always had that I, I want to see stability in teams I want to see you know the Pep system is tough and if he changes, he does not pick the same side twice in a row, and he never does uh, ever. Then how can they master truly master the system? I do think it's an issue. It's nuanced as always. He had to try new stuff. Uh, there was problematic, you know, there was goal scoring issues against low blocks earlier in the season where we had those endless crosses. He switched to a back three. He had to try new things. He did. It's been quite successful. Because, you know, he can't put the ball in the net. And as I say, we're creating as many chances as ever you know, before. So I'm not as if I want to see the same team. We've got a deep, strong, deep squad, even with the injuries. And you can't. the players will be rotated. I'm fine with that. But I find some of his decision-making... He obviously sees the players during the weeks and knows... Not only does he know a thousand times more about football than me, he sees. he knows more about the players at any point in time than I could know sitting here just from reading the internet but I still find a lot of what he's done this season baffling players who have great games are on the bench the next game which doesn't make much sense to me never just the rotation is just no. seems. I don't know the back three works but then he switches back to the back four and we don't see it again He'll, yeah, and often these tweaks work. I mean, the first leg at Old Trafford, you know, inspired stuff. You know, strikerless team. Uh, really inspired stuff. For I really, really... I think City, made like, he's made 75 changes. It's way more than any other manager. I think Klopp's about mid-40s. Mm. I think Jeff United, are, as you'd expect with a tighter, smaller squad, are in the 20s. It's just, I can't understand yeah. how it's good for the players to, it's not just the players, it's tactical tweaks for me as well. To be, if you're Bernardo Silva, you're in the middle one week, on the right the next week, then not playing, then back in the middle, then on the right, then, you know, I would just like to see more stability positions for players.
0: The way I see it, as kind of an overview of of Pep, really, for me, is, is, you know, you've got 90% pure genius there. But yeah, at least. Um, But because of that genius, you also have to accept that by nature of him being a genius and some of these incredible kind of solutions he comes up with to problems, it also leads to the fact that, well, one, it can be stubborn, um, but that's a a separate issue. Uh, And two, he can sometimes overthink things. And I, I, I think there's a lot of times where he'll be concerned that the opposition have figured him out so it's, you know, like even just on an individual basis, for example with Solskjaer in the second leg in League Cup, oh, you know uh, Solskjaer has figured us out and he's kind of caused his problems and he's going to do this and he's like, well, yeah. I'll just play one at the back <laughs> And to be fair, you know, we created chances and it worked and, um, you know, but uh, I think that's a good example of just how he tends to look at the opposition and, th- and kind of almost kind of guess it. Oh, they're going to be thinking they can beat us by doing this and this is our weak point. So what we'll do is completely do. Um, and it's to our own undoing sometimes. I mean, those crosses, endless crosses in the box at the start of the season is a perfect case in point for me. Over the summer, you know, we've just won, like you know, we've just accrued 98 points in the league. Perhaps uh, they're think, thinking away on, on the beach somewhere. And it's like, okay, all these opposition managers now will, will figure out how, how to stop that happening. We need to kind of come at things from a different way. Well, no, it was working. It was working. Just carry on as you were carrying on and, you know, enjoy the success that comes with it. Instead, we, we kind of changed our whole process um, in, in this kind of misguided belief that we'd been sussed out. Uh, based on no no actual evidence. And, and then what we saw was just these wasteful crosses, these kind of um, apathetic crosses coming in and leading to nothing. Um, and that ultimately, I think, was our downfall because although we've said twice, I've said twice in this part now, that it doesn't matter what we've done this season, we were never going to catch Liverpool. It has to be said, when you look back at just those abundance of crosses that led to nothing... And if we'd kind of changed our style of play to how we played last season, um, I think we would have been neck and neck with Liverpool. Now, who's to say that Liverpool could have sustained the run they were on under that pressure? So you just don't know. It's a sliding doors thing, isn't it? It's a different situation. So that's cost us more than anything this season, I think, those crosses. Um, Just exasperating. It was such a slow burner as well. It took me weeks to realise... And then when I started to realise, it became this kind of personal issue where it's like, why hasn't no one else watched, noticed this? And then when I started to mention it to people, oh, oh, you've noticed it too! <laughs> everyone had noticed it. It was just this kind of secret kind of problem that no one was really mentioning. And then suddenly, within the space of about two weeks, woof, there was articles galore about it,
1: and everyone was saying what a problem it was. Um, yeah. I think that cost us more than. Right, I'm just thinking as you spoke. The the solution to everything is just buying a target man. <laughs> We sorted. Just think of two hundred two hundred corners and b- something nine. like that. It's like Yeah, one big Yeah. One big lump up. Can a <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get Connor kind of Wickham from Palace. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so staying with the West Ham game uh and looking at the opposition, yeah. what have you made of the Hammers this season? This is City this is City I know.
1: twenty years ago, but with a nicer ground. Yeah. It is? It is. There's
0: there's an affinity between um, Hammers fans and City fans, and and you know you, you see what's going on there, and, and you just want to reach out to them. You want to say, look, it's going to be all right. Every PR they make is
1: appalling. <laughs> yeah, from their three owners. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, Chav, Chav's in charge. Yeah, that, you know, ch- that flag bearer this week which just goes to show that. Uh, just don't yeah. do anything. Just ignore it, and no, you know you don't create a story. But they had to do it. Uh they don't really care about feedback. The PR is appalling, <laughs> uh Karen Brady, you know, embarrassed herself with newspaper art columns she's got. They don't know what they're doing. The the stadium obviously is the you know, the the very white the elephant in the room. It for it it had to, yeah, you move to a new stadium to move the club forward, that's the whole point of how you persuade fans it's a good thing and when you end up within a couple of years, they see it. it's obviously a soulless place with that running track. Uh, the journey to the ground is appalling through a shopping centre, it's all exactly. soulless. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's taken all you know, they had such an atmospheric ground beforehand, it just you know, it's really twisting the knife in what they've lost now forever. And there's probably a bit of guilt from the fans themselves that they didn't fight it more because they probably. You probably couldn't have foreseen just how so an experience it would be. Uh, But you don't move to a new stadium and then end up re-signing David Moyes as your manager within a couple of years. And it's just like, it's (laughs) failed. The whole experiment's failed. They get new players in, they get new people in. They themselves, through loans, the owners, do take quite a lot of money out. But that's not the main issue here because they do buy players, but they don't make the team any better. And they just stumble from average performance to average performance. The defence is just nowhere near good enough, and that undermines everything else. They're just a, a meh team. They've got some good players, but they don't they don't play as a team. Moyes looked as though he was turning things around with his short honeymoon period, but they're essentially just back to where they were now. And they cannot afford to go down. Really, they are. The whole structure, the whole system is set up. Relies on Premier League money, so they are in big, big trouble if they go yeah. down. And are it, would you really have the confidence in David Moyes turning this around? They may, they may do it because there is a lot of other struggling teams, and there are enough good players within the squad to you know to get some, some results. But I certainly wouldn't put any money down on them turning this around. No, the fact that they've got had
0: no new manager bands, that's a big concern, isn't it? Um, and the fact that what they've brought Moyes in to do, he hasn't been able to do. So you do, you know, then I think, well, what is the point of David Moyes? Which is a question mm. I've asked many times over in my life. Um, he's been brought in to, to kind of install kind of conservatism, you know, pragmatism to kind of, you know, steady the ship, essentially. Um, and it was a perfect example against Brighton for me when they were 3-1 up. And he took off Antonio, who'd been the best attacking player in the game. Uh, this is from like the seventy-third minute, and brought on a centre back and went five at the back. Now, there's nothing really wrong with that. That's fine, you know, to get the three points at that stage against a fellow relegation battler is is key, uh, and to you know to ensure you get those three points by doing so, that's fine. But it was noticeable just how things are going for West Ham right now. That a minute later, Brighton got a goal back. And then they went on to get an equaliser. So the Hammers dropped two points. So you th- that, that was really symbolic for me of, of yeah. how Moise's conservatism isn't working, you know? Um, and then you think, well, if you had another manager in charge and you're 3-1 up, and you just basically take an attacker off and bring on another attacker, and you know, would you have gone on to get a fourth? So, yeah, that's where West Ham are right now for me. They've got... We've brought in Moyes, hoping that he's going to replicate what he did last year. Uh, sorry, t- uh, two years ago, and he he, he isn't. He, he clearly isn't. So, in which case, I can actually see him going before the end of the season. I can see the panic button being pressed around the next international break, um, really? and then bringing in a Ooh, new man. Um, yeah, and, and they're, just, they're just that kind of club. They're just that kind of board as well, and and they just kind of stagger from A to B to Z to to R. Um, and I think that's going to continue I, I, I think, oh and a key thing as, as well for me is their fixture list which is yeah. unbelievable, the next six or seven fixtures they've got um, the easiest one they've got is Wolves I think um, Yeah, we've got City, Liverpool Arsenal, Tottenham um, if they lose those next six games they are in a mire they are in ah. deep trouble uh, and unfortunately I think that's going to start this weekend, I think well, they're in uh, the bottom three now get so
1: you know, it's. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, a few teams just a point or two above. But with that run, that is, yeah, that is not good news. And, you know, where do they pick the points up? Obviously, we could mess up, but you wouldn't see them forgetting many points. Uh, and, you know, even City have just historically just absolutely spanked West Ham anyway. And, uh, yeah, I've just looked looked at that squad whilst you talked. The team against uh, Brighton. And it's not, it's so wishy-washy, it's not as good as I remembered it. There are players that have done it sometimes, but there's no outstanding players there. You know, there's... Well, the the outstanding players are underperforming
0: as well. That's one thing we do have. You know, Lanzini, for example, is a perfect example. He's come back from a long-term injury. Now, two years ago, he was... West Ham's saviour, he was Moyes' saviour. It was largely down to Lanzini as to why Moyes could leave with his head held high at the end of the season there, having kept him up. And so Moyes, understandably, I guess, is thinking, right, he's the man for me, and he's playing him every week, but he's coming back from a long-term injury, and he's yeah. a shadow of a player that he was. So if you've got your, you know, you you look around at all clubs around West Ham They've all got the one guy, haven't they? Buendia at Norwich or, you know, kind of Zaha at Palace. If he's that that there Zaha and he's not doing it yeah. in itself that's gonna cause problems. So yeah, that's where they really fall down. It's it's a wishy washy squad,
1: which is always a consequence of bringing in different managers yeah. in, in yeah. short terms. Um, yeah, just survive in a way. I mean I like Philippe Anderson, I think he might be back for the yeah. city match, but Again, getting regular, you know, consistent top performances. Are just there's not many players there. You know, like Tony, and they've got Declan Rice and Fabianski's all right, but you know, it's just yeah, it's yeah. Just getting they're just up and down, up and down, up and down all the time, and they're they're looking at you know, kind of Mark
0: Noble. Um, to get them through this, basically. We're looking at the kind of, you know, the real West Ham players, as it were, to kind of get them through. And it might well happen, but if it does, and I say this to someone who really likes West Ham as well, um, if they stay up, which I hope they do, then in this summer, they have to dramatically reevaluate yeah. kind of, their whole process, really. We need to bring in a manager and say, right, we're sticking with you. You're the manager of the future. Um, and we need to invest in players, obviously. And, um, And then they can go forward. I mean, you shouldn't forget as well that last summer, many people, including myself, were tipping them to do really well. Well, that's
1: it. I mean, they've got the resources to do so. So, but I look at the (coughs) downbeat. Sorry, look at them in Palace, and they both lost at home in the cup as well to Championship sides, and it's just yeah, just the mood around both is just so dire at the moment. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I mean,
0: you, you look right across the board at West Ham, and, and there is very little positives to take okay. right now. But it's one of those clubs, isn't it? If you know, if I won a billion pounds tomorrow and I wanted to invest in a Premier League club, so, I, I'd tear yeah. those chaps right out. You know, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be going to West Ham because you've got a terrific fan base. Um, the stadium issue really needs addressing. Um, well, they've they, got to they stay also. there. It's not working. It, it's yeah, yeah. So, but West Ham is 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 like I say a club with so many possibilities. Yeah. Look at the training ground; it's abysmal. It's, oh, it's, it's we've got a porter cabin, you know. they do their press conferences in a porter cabin. For God's sake, Premier League club. So yeah, um, so moving back to City, um, any merit in nope. trying to predict the lineup, uh, given the fact that
1: <laughs> we just don't know from one week to the next what. I don't know who is available there? to be um, honest. So. Or should. We've sold Angelino's and Chenko's out. Mm. <laughs> uh, wasn't the port at the top of a mountain this week? Or I don't know if Mendy's yeah, yeah, know, know uh, free, uh, so we have to wait, well. wait for the press conference to see. Could be anything. Could be anything yeah. at all. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, you know, no, even the other full I don't know who will be picked. I think Fernandino's in. But, you know, say, will the port be fit? Or is he just getting the whole break off now, ready for the first game after the break? You know, Leicester and the midfield Well, Rodri, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, with uh, Sterling out, expect Mahrez to start and Bernardo Silva maybe will go wide and maybe David Silva, I feel, to come in. But, you know, he could play Jesus and Aguero again. Uh, My biggest worry is that there's a storm coming as well, so I always get worried when the weather's really bad and it's going to be extremely windy, so... Uh, who knows, it could be a, quite a lottery this game, all all things told. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, Windy it's and rainy, out. so a great Which level. Is, up, yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, then let's concentrate instead on score prediction. Um, I'm going to go for 3 1 City. I think it's going to be fairly comfortable. I think they'll show a bit of fight by damn um, and a, they we'll be you know well organised because it's David Moyes' team, but um, I think once we've broken down, they, they do tend to
1: capitulate yeah. against us historically, and I think the same will Yeah, I don't think I don't know if Moyes or West Ham historically are ones that can park the bus and play deep. I think they play into our hands a lot, so it'd be interesting if Moyes tries to do that. I think we're going to create chances again and lots of them, and my hope is with my prediction is that we do not have the wastefulness of previous games so I'm going to go they do get a goal whether set piece combining there's a goal for West Ham in there but I'm going to go
0: 4-1 4-1 blimey ok well yeah I, I can see I'm confident of a victory and I can see the possibility of a bit of a bat as well. That depends yeah. more on I do the wonder. We don't know CTO, if Mendy's so. available
1: but I wonder um, if he'll go to back three and get those wing, you know, full-backs going forward. He may have to play someone out of position. Uh, but I don't know. I just got a feeling maybe a back three again. Depends again who's available, who's out injured, yeah. the numbers he's got. Uh, but I would like to see that because I think we'll obviously dominate the ball again and getting wide men on the ball Uh yeah I think if, if they don't waste chances there's gonna there will surely be so many chances had during this game yeah that is almost a given exactly that's one thing we can
0: hang our hat on that we will create chances I mean we, we tend to in every game and against West Ham it's inconceivable that will continue Um okay well that's all positive and end on a positive note I am on oh to God. put my nurse's costume on now uh, I've put a bit of timber, so I'm not sure if it's gonna fit anymore. Um and please check out all the other kind of pods that's around on, on the 9320 kind of platform. Some great stuff out there. Uh and definitely give Samley an ace and a listen later because that should be really revealing. Uh thank you very much, Howard, for joining us today. Our pleasure as always. And in the meantime, enjoy the weekend, stay safe, and up the blues.